0: I'm Master Ken, and you're listening to Karate Cafe, which is bullshit. Welcome to Karate Cafe, your source for martial arts conversations since 2005. Karate Cafe is sponsored by Piranha Gear. Visit piranagear.com for all your martial arts equipment needs. And now, here's your host, Paul Wilson. Hello again, everybody. It's
1: Paul with Karate Cafe coming at you with a new episode Or sode I haven't quite figured out where I'm going to stop with this thing yet. Uh, This episode is a follow-on and I hope a compliment to the latest podcast from the lovely and talented Ian Abernathy. Uh, The podcast was on street fighting and his views on it, as well as the terminology and uh, other factors related to the term street fighting. Well, I'll discuss in a bit some of his views and then discuss my take on street fighting, or as I refer to it, fighting in the cul-de-sac. Right after this.
0: Stand on a corner suitcase in my hand. Jackson change in the I'm a rock and roll band.
1: Last week we lost a music legend, Lou Reed. We're losing a lot of them lately. But only recently did people learn that this Mercurial man was also not only a poet, that sang of his love of the rich characters of his beloved New York City and our own complex internal psyche, but was also a warrior poet, in a sense, not only due to his noted grumpiness in interviews, but his longtime study of Tai Chi. Lou passed away after checking out of the hospital and returning home for his final days. His widow, Lori Anderson, wrote that he passed away doing, notably, Tai Chi. Quote, He died on Sunday morning looking at the trees and doing Tai Chi with just his musician hands moving through the air. Unquote. He couldn't stand, and he knew he was dying, but he did the thing, or one of the things, that he loved, anyway, however he could. He walked that path until the end. His music has inspired thousands of bands, and his last act can and should inspire us as martial artists. Lou Reed, legendary musician, poet, and martial artist. You will be missed. CJ CJ And now, on to the meat of our show. And I say meat because our good friend Ian Abernathy likes to say that a lot about uh, his podcast. His last podcast was on street fighting. Uh, I had actually kind of been noodling on doing an episode about not street fighting per se, but a little bit because I kind of really hate that term, and so does he, apparently. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, well, um, take a minute and go ahead and do it. Uh, we'll wait. And you're back, thanks, great show, right uh One of the things that I really appreciated about that episode was the fact that that not only he talked about street fighting uh, but he also talked about all the connotations of it legal uh ethical, you know semantical. I love the fact that he delved into the the terminology uh, of street fighting and and working on defense and and various and sundry things and so I really appreciate uh, him touching on the terminology because that kind of made me think about how much I've recently been sort of focusing on that as well. As an instructor, paying attention to what I say and how I say it and the ramifications of how I say it. I'm making sure I leave myself sort of a back door. Uh, I'm telling people, you know, I can't tell you what to do in this situation. I can only show you some things you can do, and you have to decide. Whether or not that clears me legally (laughs) and ethically, I don't know. But what it did uh, boil down for me in that show... uh, One of the things that Ian was talking about was the fact that um, you're training for defense or you're training for martial arts, you're training to fight, uh, and you probably shouldn't be, (laughs) Uh, and uh, his famous uh, Venn diagram of how those all intersect, you know, once again, it all came together. A lot of this stuff in martial arts all ties together a lot, and uh, the more you pay attention to it, the more you study, and the more you think about it. it really affects your training. The mental game of martial arts is not just outthinking your opponent and and that was one of the things that he talked about about sparring is, is you know calling it an opponent is not necessarily the best thing for someone from a def- defensive standpoint uh, etc but the point is not thinking yourself and, and and you know really diving deep within you know how you train what you're training for and uh what your intent in training uh the outcome thereof. Uh, it's big, and it's one of the things that I try and encourage in my students is to constantly always be thinking always trying to think about what you're doing and you know be thoughtful of your techniques and the outcome you know what do you do you want to hit hard do you want to hit accurately uh you know are you trying to leave yourself a way out? All of those things should be always paramount, but just thinking about your style, thinking about uh the point of your system, thinking about um how it all links together I think is a, a very important aspect I recently had a friend come train with me who uh, had training in, in a Chinese style and uh, Taekwondo as, as pretty much everyone has uh, and uh, he, a youngish guy and uh, father of a young son that plays with mine. And uh, anyway, he came to train with me. He hadn't trained in a while. He kind of wanted to get back into it. I invited him to the dojo, and we trained for a while. Uh, and I could tell from his training, or his outlook on training, was very aggressive is not the correct, the word, but it wasn't really defense-oriented. Uh, it was very much, whoever attacks me, I'm going to destroy. Uh, and very confrontational. He was very, you know, sort of confrontational on, on how he said he, he dealt with situations, you know, quote-unquote, in the street. And there's a very important thing uh, for me to point out at this point, which I actually should have pointed out earlier, that one of my big bugaboos is the term street fighting, or fighting in the street, or we train for the street. Uh, That drives me up the dojo wall. The tagline for my dojo is Practical Defense for the Everyday World. Most of us, and I do mean most of us, yes, even you, don't exist in the world of Roadhouse. You know, we don't exist in the world of Above the Law. (laughs) We're not uh, constantly being attacked by ninjas. Uh, we live, suffice it to say, in the cul-de-sac, which is what I choose to train for. So I have taken ch- taken to changing my terminology, just like uh, Ian recommends, uh, from saying, uh, you know, in the street, as I always say, well, you know, in the cul-de-sac, uh, because that's where I live, I actually, do live on a cul-de-sac. So the large majority of people live in suburban environments um, or gentrified urban environments, to be honest. So there's not a lot of practical, quote unquote, street fighting training that really needs to be going on. Uh, I think that's really kind of counter to defensive because you really shouldn't be fighting. And to that end, when I was uh, talking with, with my friend and uh, he was asking me how you would engage someone or how you would deal with somebody who was um, coming at you with a, a certain technique and, and he was saying, well, you know, I would just take him down and beat him and you know, and uh, I was talking to him and I said, well, you can't do that. And he said, well, you know, you have to. And I said, well, what if you're with your son? What if you're in a public place with your son? Are you going to do that in front of your son? And the look he gave me was like shocking, like he never thought of it, probably because his prior instructors did not include that. I think they probably didn't comprehend the fact that somebody at some point may have a family that they need to look out for, or um, just you know want to be able to to get up and go to work the next day or, or just make it home that evening. Uh, that's our responsibility as martial artists, instructors, to ensure that that part of the training is there. Are you training to defend yourself or are you training to beat somebody up? You know, are you training to fight in the street or are you training to defend yourself and get away? Uh, that is a very clear distinction and one that is not necessarily, I think, spoke of in, in a, lot of, a lot of schools uh, uh Uh, To this end, um, this guy has also been training at uh, some jujitsu schools and some jiu schools, and uh, he was training with another karate instructor somewhere, and he kept telling me that this guy is really good, and he's really good because he trains bouncers. And, you know, I've heard of many instructors in the past teaching that they they train bouncers. They train bouncers. Well, they probably don't train bouncers to fight (laughs) because I think legally uh, bouncers really aren't supposed to be fighting you uh they can defend themselves but i don't think they uh are you know uniquely covered under the law for fighting and in my mind that's not really a good baseline for defense training or uh someone who's looking to get into any martial art for self defense because that takes the defense part out and that's straight up fighting i further had a um another friend who on facebook posted a thing about uh going to a a fight night and he was said it was open and he was inviting all the everyone he knew and he said, if your instructor won't let him, won't let you go, then you're probably with the wrong instructor. And I understand where he was coming from for that. However, if one of my students said he wanted to go to a fight night at a certain level, I would have to question, I don't call it a fight night because it's, it's not a fight, it's sparring. But I guess spar doesn't sound quite as cool. Fight night sounds much more cool. If you take a defensive situation and you, you engage with whoever it is, then it's a fight and you're choosing to get into the fight. Uh, if you get into the situation because you're thrust into the situation by someone else attacking you and you extricate yourself from the situation, whether or not it is from a defensive technique or whether it's from a preemptive defensive technique, then you escape. Then you get out. You take your family and go. You take yourself and go. You go report into the authorities. You do whatever steps are, are apt after that, but you don't continue the fight. You don't continue the fight any farther than it has to be uh, one of the points that Ian made, which I thought was at first was kind of uh, questionable, but then I, I, I grasped what he's talking about and I agreed. Was he was he was saying to in- incapacitate? Many techniques that I teach in my dojo lead can lead to incapacitating. Now, what does incapacitating mean? You know, uh, in my mind, that means putting them in a position where they cannot continue to attack you. Or do not, or choose not to. It could be, you know, a kick to the knee, so they can't really move as well. It could just be making them trip and falling down. It can be doing something to them that's embarrassing in front of their friends. I actually had an altercation with somebody that I could tell that the technique that I did, which did not hurt them, was not a punch or a kick. It was more or less a sweep or a takedown. And when they landed, the way they got back up, you could tell in their face that they were just embarrassed that the people who were observing this, they were embarrassed because they, they knew what they looked like. They looked kind of silly, both going down and trying to get back up, trying to regain their, uh, their footing. It just looked kind of silly, and it kind of stopped right there. And so to me, that's an incapacitation. So again, just like Ian was talking about, about the terminology, the terminology to incapacitate, I think, is also uh, maybe up for debate, and it can be defined kind of loosely but as long as you're doing it within the context of your dojo or your dojing or your school and you clearly define what that terminology means to incapacitate i think that's proper and uh and a great touchstone for training fight fight night um and you know kind of putting the connotation of well if they won't let you fight then something's wrong well you know i mean i yeah, again i can see where that's going but i don't completely disagree and i Email or commented on Facebook basically what I'm saying to you now, which was you know well you know maybe not I mean maybe they just don't want you to get into the toe to toe tit for tat mindset of fighting. Fighting is great I mean sparring is great and and lends itself lends many positive aspects as well as just kind of being fun. I don't I don't see the value in it from a defense standpoint but yeah it's fun it's fun to get out there and get slapped around. I mean one of my students. Actually, most of my students are, are, are better spars than I am. But from a defensive angle, I'm, I get the job done really quick, and and that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be a long, drawn-out process. Uh, the drills should be short. If you're, It really should just be a drill, almost. It should be just a, a dynamic drill, a flowing drill. Uh, it shouldn't be a drawn-out fight, in my opinion. So that being said, uh, since I had already had the sort of germ of this uh, podcast and it was, uh, sprinkled by the, the loving rain of, of Ian Abernathy's, uh, wonderful work on his show. Uh, I just wanted to present our side and present, uh, the side that I teach in, in my dojo as not necessarily a counterpoint, but if anything, just to sort of buoy up and, and support, uh, the stance that he takes because as usual, he's pretty much right on the button. And now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you. You can do the normal thing that Steve is going to tell you about here in about two seconds. Drop us an email or give us a call or get on the forums if you want. Uh, Again, we'd really appreciate your support through donations or going to our sponsor at Piranha Gear. Uh, This is
0: Paul, and I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Karate Cafe. You can join the conversation by emailing us at KarateCafe at gmail.com. Call our comment line at 469-844-5791 or log into to the forum at KarateCafe.com. Remember, you can support the show by visiting our sponsor, PiranhaGear.com, or shopping at Amazon through our link, KarateCafe.com slash Amazon, or donate at KarateCafe.com. I'm Steve Henderson, proud supporter and voice talent for Karate Cafe. If you or someone you know needs an effective voice for a film, television, radio, or new media web project, contact me at Voiceovers at gmail.com or call me at 404-314-8400. Once again, thanks for listening to Karate Cafe.